0: Shaka Smart and Marquette continue their dominance over the Big 12 with a huge win over Texas. And honestly, it really looks like this Golden Eagle team is a Final Four contender. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Happy Thursday. Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a daily national college hoop show, part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Andy Patton. I want to thank all of you for making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners. Shout out to those of you on YouTube and shout out to those of you who have joined us on our Discord channel. There is a link in the show notes that is free to join. We are talking college hoops 24-7. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Folks, make every moment more right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 in your pocket if your team wins. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. We've got a lot to get to today. We'll talk about some waivers. A waiver approved for Efton Reed at Wake Forest. A big recruiting update for Rutgers. We'll talk about some other players who are still waiting for their Rutgers and recap some of the big games from Wednesday evening. Unfortunately, I do want to lead very quickly with – Thoughts about a a very unfortunate situation that uh, happened at UNLV's campus on Wednesday, an active shooter situation. As I'm recording right now, we don't have a ton of details on the situation. It did lead to the cancellation of a game between UNLV and Dayton. And of course, we're just... Uh, wanting to think about all the victims, the victims' families, everybody involved in this situation, seeing too many incidents of violence on college campuses, really in many other places as well, grocery stores, clubs, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's just sad that we continue to have to have these conversations and and talk about these things. And, and of course, we hope that uh, for peace, for uh, everybody involved in the in the future and the the basketball situation is, is far from what is on people's minds right now whether UNLV or Dayton make up this game or not it's just not really the the important thing right now we think more about the families of the victims uh, at this time but want to get into the games that did happen of course as we transition out of that topic here and lead with uh, with Marquette Shaka Smart playing his old school at the University of Texas Marquette hosted the game they brought the Longhorns into town and they beat them down pretty badly 86 to 65 was the final score here win for the golden eagles and and honestly that that score makes the game sound closer than it was 21 point victory for marquette sounds like a a really big victory but marquette was up 30 for chunks of the second half they were up 25 plus for the majority of the second half 30 i think with like four or five minutes to go texas ended up chipping into the lead a little bit towards the end of the game but this was a massacre from te- uh, from Marquette here, an absolute destruction of this Texas team, and it started with Tyler Kolek twenty eight points, eight boards, and six assists for the All American caliber point guard. He is on track to be in that conversation, to be that guy at the end of this year. Tremendous performance from him: eleven of sixteen from the field, four of nine from deep. He had sixteen points at halftime, and a lot of them came at the end of the first half. That was when Marquette really established the lead here. I think there, I think it was forty two to twenty eight was the score at halftime. It was close for the majority of the first half. Marquette went on a 13-0 run, capped by a pair of threes from Colec. That buried Texas in the end of the first half, and ultimately they were never really able to climb back into it. We had Marquette at number seven in our rankings this week for Locked On College Basketball. They're now 7-2 and two on the season. Their losses are to Purdue in that Maui Invitational. They also lost at wisconsin earlier this week. That was uh, the loss that kind of knocked them down from being in that top two, three conversation. But really, this looks like a top five team from a talent perspective. There are some great teams uh, in the NCAA. We'll talk a little bit about Houston here later and the the, the beatdown they put down on Rice. Uh, but this is this Marquette team, with the way that Kolek is playing, with the way Osuwe Godaro is playing, Cam Jones, they're, they're balanced. They're They're well coached. They're good offensively. They're good defensively. They have good bench scoring. And you can really see when they have it all together, this is a really tough team to beat. Hard to, you don't want to put too much weight on losing to Purdue. Purdue's a fantastic program. The Wisconsin loss stands out a little bit. It's an in-state rivalry. It was on the road against a, a, and it's not like Wisconsin is bad. This is a good top 25 caliber wisconsin team we had them 21st in our recent rankings as well so no, no bad losses for marquette this is their first really quality win uh, but we're also going to learn a lot more about this team their next two games are notre dame and st thomas ideally for marquette not really any stress there but then they get right into big east play and boy do they started off uh getting tested right away they got providence followed by georgetown followed by creighton uh those are their next five games right there they Really need to be five and zero, four and one. If they lose to Creighton, is probably still acceptable. But this is this is a good opportunity for us to learn even more about Shaka Smart's team. As for Texas, still no Dylan Dessou, and you can just tell that's really, really getting to this team right now. And I think we talked about Texas earlier in this week. Myself, my co-host Isaac Shade, I believe, it was on Tuesday's episode. Talked about how they were one of the two teams that we were the most. We had the most variance with the AP ranking. The other one was Clemson, who we will talk about momentarily. We had Texas at 18. The AP people had them at 12. And and they didn't look like a top 20 team in this game, but they've been tough to judge because they haven't been at full strength. The issue right now with Texas is they have one very good scorer in Max Acemas and nobody else really stepped up. Acemas had 25 points on 10 of 19 shooting. The rest of the team combined scored just 40 points in this game on 15 of 41 shooting. You didn't get much. You didn't get enough from Dylan Mitchell. You didn't get enough from Hunter. You had a nice performance from Shendall Weaver off the bench, but that's not cutting it. Brock Cunningham can't be your second leading scorer. Caden Shedrick's more of a defensive player. He's not that offensive guy. Their second offensive option, if it's not Mitchell, if it's not Hunter, is probably going to be Dylan DeSue, but he's not healthy. He's not on the floor right now, and you can see that that's really wearing on the Longhorns. At this point, I'm not necessarily pulling them all the way out of the top 25 for this loss. We'll see, certainly, how the rest of the results go, but pretty rough stuff for Texas right now. I think this team's probably going to turn it around, but they're going to have their hands full uh, in the Big 12 this year, and we're going to see how that shakes out for them, especially uh, depending how much longer DeSue is out couple more results I want to kind of just speed through here before we get into some other stuff to close out the show. Clemson remains undefeated. It was a battle between Clemson and South Carolina, two 7-0 teams. Not a statement I thought I'd be making that Clemson and South Carolina would be an epic battle down to the wire between two undefeated teams in December. That's just not something we had on the bingo card for the 23-24 college basketball season, but here we are, Clemson, down seven at halftime against South Carolina. Storms back, wins by five, 72-67. Uh, they outscored them by 12 in the second half, 49-37. to All five Clemson starters were in double figures. It was a very balanced scoring effort. You could tell that South Carolina was really trying to slow down P.J. Hall, really trying to slow down Joe Girard, but other starters stepped up and contributed for Clemson. They are now 8-0 on the season. South Carolina drops to 7-1. Nice fight. From the Gamecocks, though, a team that many kind of thought their record was a little bit of an aberration, but this was a strong showing from them. And and, and perhaps they're not going to win the SEC or anything like that, but perhaps they'll be uh, put up a bit more of a fight than than many may have expected. Memphis narrowly defeats VCU in overtime. 85-80 was the final score. Max Shulga, shooting guard at VCU, had a chance to tie this thing in overtime really close. He just couldn't get a good look at the hoop, had to pass it away. They didn't get off a good shot. It didn't go in. Uh, Memphis gets the rebounds, end up winning fi- by five there again, 85-80. to Javon Quinterly, slow first half for him. He was fantastic in the second half, finished with 20 points and six assists, On 7 of 11 shooting, David Jones had 23 and 7 for Memphis. We talked about Houston earlier. Houston held Rice to 39 points. Massive blowout victory for Houston. 39 points. For Rice, we've talked about Houston's defense. Of course, they play at that slow pace as well, so they're able to hold teams to poor offensive performances, low-scoring affairs. Rice, certainly not a great program by any stretch, and there's been some criticism of Houston's schedule up to this point, but they got that win over Xavier. Granted, it was close, but they still beat Xavier. Now they absolutely blow out their in-state rival in Rice. Hard to ignore what Houston is doing, although we'll learn a lot more about about them once they get into Big 12 play. L.J. Cryer had 15 on 5 May threes in this one. And I want to shout out the Dons of San Francisco pulling off a victory against Vanderbilt on the road. 73 to 60 was the final score there. USF now has three power six wins. Granted, those three power six wins have come against Vanderbilt on the road, as well as Minnesota and DePaul. Not exactly a gauntlet of powerhouse uh, uh, power six programs. Still nice to see the Dons doing that. And quite frankly, they might be the second best team in the WCC this year. As I'm recording right now, the Ken Palm rankings have not refreshed, but they were ahead of St. Mary's. I don't see any reason why they would not be right now, even after St. Mary's had a blowout victory over Cleveland State. Uh, That is not a very good looking team right now. The Gales and the Dons look like a team that might contend for second in the WCC. Not sure either of them are going to be securing any at-large bids this year, however. Well, Wake Forest Beat Rutgers on Wednesday evening. Not a huge game to discuss, but both those programs did get great news outside of the contest. We're going to get you caught up on what's going on with those two programs after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is really easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, which includes spreads, player props, over, unders, and more. We talked about Clemson. We're going to talk about Wake Forest. So let's get you those ACC regular season champion odds currently at FanDuel right now. They got Duke at plus 190, followed by Carolina at plus 340, Miami at plus 470, which is tied with Virginia also at plus 470. And then Clemson, still undefeated, coming in at number five at plus 1,000. If you feel strongly about any of those odds, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now and get in on the action this college basketball season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, let's talk briefly about this Wake Forest game over Rutgers. Wake Forest absolutely destroyed Rutgers 76 to 57 the final score on Wednesday evening. Nice win for Steve Forbes and the Demon Deacons but the story surrounding Wake Wake Forest right now is the eligibility for efton Reed backup center or I guess he was the backup center in this game center who is eligible now for the team he was a two-time transfer in his first action with Rutgers after only getting eligible the day before Reed comes off the bench has a double double 12 points 14 rebounds tax on a pair of blocks for good measure wasn't a very efficient night from Mr. Reed, four of 13 from the field. He did have four of five from the charity stripe, took a trio of threes and did not knock any of them down. But the big story here is that Wake Forest gets much, much needed reinforcements in the front court. Coming into this game, Wake Forest was 328th in the country in offensive rebounds. They were 289th in total rebounds. This was a poor, poor rebounding team. They were playing a ton of guards. Basically, their entire lineup was four, three, four guard lineups, did not have a lot of depth in the front court, did not really have a lot of high end talent in the front court. Matthew Marsh and Zach Keller were the two guys over 6'10". They were averaging a combined 5.2 points per game coming into this again. Wake Forest, one of the poorest rebounding teams in the country, not getting any offensive production from the front court. Then we get into this game. Efton Reed puts up a double-double, grabs 14 rebounds. Uh, Marsh did not even play in this game. Keller had five points. Huge, huge advantage for Wake Forest. You know, it's not. It's probably not going to move the needle a ton in the ACC, but it certainly makes them a more formidable opponent and allows Reed to step on the court alongside his former Gonzaga teammate, In Hunter Salas, Salas is averaging about 19 per game for Coach Forbes, a huge needle mover for Wake Forest. Reed's probably not going to make that kind of impact, but still good to have him there. Uh, Reed was a top 25 freshman in his recruiting class. He started his college career at LSU, averaged 6.3 points, 4.3 boards in 20 minutes per game as a starter for the Tigers transferred after the year to gonzaga ended up being the fourth big behind drew Timmy, anton watson and ben Gregg. only played about four minutes per game i think he only played like 25 games transferred after the season Followed Hunter Salas to Wake Forest. I didn't think that he was going to get eligible this year. Uh, There was a waiver. They gave some additional information. It does sound like, uh, obviously, whatever was in that information was enough for them to decide to give Reed eligibility. Happy for the big fella to get a chance to play this year and happy for Wake Forest, who's going to have a much better time rebounding the basketball, some more offensive oomph as well from the seven-footer down on the block. Not all bad news for Rutgers. Yes, they lost by 19 points, but... They secured a huge prize in the 2024 recruiting class. Dylan Harper, the second ranked player, according to ESPN, in that class of 2024, he has committed to Rutgers. He is the younger brother of Ron Harper Jr., who, of course, also starred at Rutgers, was one of the best players in the conference a few years back. Both Ron Harper Jr. and Dylan Harper are sons of Five-time NBA champion Ron Harper played with the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. Fantastic player, hard-nosed defensive star. A really, really good player. And now Rutgers gets the chance to have the highest ranked recruit in school history, joining them in the class of 2023 alongside Ace Bailey, who is ranked number three in the class of 2024. That's right. The Scarlet Knights have the second and third ranked players in the 2024 class, both committed to their program right now. This is unbelievably unprecedented for Rutgers. Using ESPN's rankings, Rutgers has had six top 100 ESPN prospects since 2007. Six total. Kentucky's had six in a year. Rutgers has had six total in the last 15 years commit to their program. They've only had one of them be in the top 50 ever. Until now, they have two of the top three prospects in the class uh, the Rutgers coaching staff was unrelentless in their pursuit of Harper. They went to the majority of his games in the spring and the summer, really wanted to make sure he felt comfortable. He felt committed. He wasn't just picking it because of his family. Uh, obviously he spoke with his older brother who is now in the NBA uh, and and got enough intel and and. Felt confident enough to join this Rutgers program. Uh, Harper's a six foot six combo guard. He's a high level scorer. He uses his size to get to the rim. He's a big guard who knows how to kind of play like a big guard. Him and Ace Bailey. This is a tremendous class. And really what it means for Rutgers is there's, there's no more excuses. You got to do it now. Like you, you, if you, first of all, you have to make sure you get both these kids on campus. Uh, landing them as commits is huge. It's monumental. It's monumental. It is program altering in a way just because they are in the news for landing two top three prospects. That is huge, but you got to make sure they make it to campus, and then you got to start winning basketball games. Rutgers has, you know, they've they've floated around. They've been in the big dance. It's not like they've been a complete uh, non-factor, but they haven't made a lot of noise, and part of it is the lack of recruiting. It's a tough place to recruit, but when you get lightning in a bottle like this, When you land two really premier talents, you got to make it count. This is it's now or never for Rutgers. You know, starting next season, if you got these two freshmen on campus, you got to start winning some basketball games. You got to put them in positions to succeed. You got to put the the right types of players around them, whether it's floor spacers, defensive anchors, whatever you need to put a roster around these two guys. It has to happen now. At Rutgers, because if these two leave campus and you didn't I mean, you don't got to win a national championship or anything, but you make some noise, you make it to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament, you you make it maybe even make it into elite eight, something like that. You can start to really build some momentum for your program. If these two guys leave and you don't have much to show for it, it's it's this isn't going to happen again. So you got to start making that noise right now. Uh, happy for Rutgers. I'm sure any Rutgers fans listening to the show are ex- incredibly ecstatic about the future of this program with Harper and Bailey in the mix. But the pressure is on. It is now time to turn it around and, and start to really make some noise because this isn't going to, like we said, this, this is lightning in a bottle. It's not necessarily going to happen again. But we talked about Efton Reed getting his eligibility for Wake Forest that closes the door on one of the remaining outstanding waivers but there are a lot of other college stars who are just sitting waiting wishing hoping right now still haven't heard back from the NCAA either they've ha- they haven't had their waivers approved they had it denied and they are on the appeals process whatever it may be we're going to talk about a few of those guys who are still waiting and why this process has taken so long after a word from today's sponsor Prize Picks I've been testing my skills on Fix this season in the most exciting way of playing daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. PrizePix is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizeFix the number one daily fantasy sports app. It's just you against the numbers. All you do is pick more or less on two to six player stat projections, and you watch the winnings roll in right now. Ezekiel Elliott, he's going to be the lead back for New England, the Patriots on Thursday night football. They got him at 61 and a half rushing yards. I'm hitting more for that right now. If you want to join me, you hit that more button. Go to prizepix.com right now slash locked on college. Use that promo code locked on college, and you'll get a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash college. Use promo code College for a first deposit match of up to $100. PrizePix. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, closing out the show today with more updates around the NCAA and the waiver appeals processes for multiple players who are still waiting to find out if they're going to be able to suit up for college basketball this season. The general assumption has been that any player who, who we haven't heard an update on, no news is not, is, is, Bad news at this point, obviously, the longer they go without playing, the worse it is for the player, the program, the fans, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of was in a position where I thought that we weren't going to hear a whole lot more yeses for any of these guys, especially the two-time transfers, somebody like Efton Reed, who, again, uh, not trying to knock him here, but – Wasn't sure that there was going to be a compelling reason for him to get said waiver. Obviously, the NCAA saw new information, decided they were ready to allow him to play and have made that decision. So who else might that happen to? We do know one who it's not going to happen to. And that was the recent update we got out of Utah that guard Devon Smith's waiver has been denied by the NCAA. Smith began his career at Mississippi State. Back in the 2020-21 season, averaged five points, three assists for them. He transferred to Georgia Tech and spent two years with the Yellow Jackets, uh, averaged about five 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 and a half points in the 21-22 season. That bumped up to eight points, five and a half boards, three and a half assists last year for the Yellow Jackets. And then, of course, Coach Josh Pastner's fired. They bring in Damon Stoudemire, and Smith decides to enter the transfer portal, commits to Utah, and does not get his waiver approved. Typically the NCAA has been more lenient on waivers when players are leaving programs because their coach departed. That has been consistent for decades in the NCAA, going back to when there was no transfer portal, when every player had to sit out a year. That was kind of one of the reasons that players sometimes didn't have to do that. Obviously, we don't have all the information here, but it is pre- it's on paper, it certainly looks like Smith is a player who was, he spent two years playing for Coach Pastner. It's not like he was trying to leave every single year. Two full years there, decides to leave when his coach isn't there. That typically is a waiver type situation. At this point, Coach Craig Smith for Utah has said they are planning to appeal the decision. We have seen these appeals work uh, in the very recent past, as we did with Reed here. So certainly uh, an opportunity where Smith may end up still playing some games for Utah this year, maybe even by the time that team gets into Pac-12 conference play, but uh, still kind of an odd one to see this get denied just based on the information we have again. certainly not. We're certainly missing a lot of context for each and every one of these situations, but uh, this is one that in the past has historically been approved and did not get approved in this situation. A couple more guys who are waiting on waivers right now. This is not a comprehensive list. If anybody has a comprehensive list of guys who are waiting on waivers, I would certainly love to take a peek at that. Uh, Three of these guys are, transfers who are waiting on waivers all of them incidentally have at least some connection to LSU same with Efton Reed having a connection to LSU I don't think the NCAA is intentionally waiting on anybody who happens to play at LSU at some point but it is odd that all of these players are connected they're the only one who is not is also an SEC player and he's also not a transfer now it'd be Zvonimir Ivisic the seven foot three Croatian center for the Kentucky Wildcats John Calipari's team Uh, has had some really high highs this year, the massive win over Miami, the great game against Kansas that they lost 118 points against Marshall. They've also had some mystifying games, barely beat St. Joe's lose at home to UNC Wilmington. But a lot of the prevailing thought about Kentucky is that once they are at full strength, Aaron Bradshaw's only played one game. He's only played 13 minutes and that came in that loss to Wilmington. He's, he's got to get his feet wet. He's still got a little bit of time before he's back at full strength and, and contributing in the way that he's capable of contributing as a top five prospect in that 2023 recruiting class. Genon Yenso is not back yet. He's he might be back soon for Kentucky. That's some more size, some more depth in the front court desperately needed. But Avicic is a huge key. This kid is tremendous, very very talented young man out of Croatia. Uh, could immediately impact Kentucky, but he hasn't been able to play. He did. He was committed to Kentucky back on August 1st, didn't make it to campus until October. That slowed the process down in a big way. He is eligible in the sense that he's enrolled in classes and and able to maintain his eligibility that way. The problem, according to recent reports, is that Avicich is they're, they're checking his amateur status. And in the era of NIL, where student athletes can get paid to play college basketball, some might roll their eyes at the idea of players who played professionally overseas not being able to still play college basketball. I understand that. There's some complications to the rules. Um, I'm not going to get into it, and also I'm not going to pretend I'm privy to all of it necessarily, but uh, you still cannot get paid to play professionally somewhere else and then come play college basketball. You you would be giving up your amateur status. Amateurism is still a factor in college basketball. Visic played professionally with SC Derby in Montenegro. The NCAA presumably is continuing to do research to find out if – he did anything that would violate their current amateur rules and prevent him from being able to play. That is my understanding on the situation. However, this was the same situation UCLA was in with both Burke and with Ademara. Mara. Both those guys got cleared. Mara got cleared before the season started. Burke got cleared right before the Maui Invitational. Those guys are from Spain and Turkey, respectively. Both of them showed up on campus about a month sooner, but it's been over a month for, for Ivisic, the situation is ongoing still, uh, really tough for, for Calipari, I think if they had him eligible uh, and able to play on the floor it would certainly change the dynamic it'd be interesting to see what that would do to their roster construction what that would do to their lineups they've been playing really guard heavy it's helped with breakouts for guys like reed Shepard and ron dilling rob dillingham excuse me be curious to see what that looks like when bradshaw's at full go if visage is able to go at full strength as well and of course in yen going to change the fabric of this Kentucky roster, probably in a good way, but certainly going to be curious to see what that looks like. This is on the assumption that visage does eventually get cleared. That may not happen for him at this point. A couple more guys to talk about. Adam Miller started his career at Illinois in 2020-21, uh, transferred to LSU last year, averaged half points for the Tigers, has hit the portal again, and is now at Arizona State waiting for a waiver. This is a pretty classic two-time transfer, going to need some compelling arguments there. Obviously, LSU did go through a coaching change. Maybe that will change the equation here, but right now Arizona State kind of had to scramble and add Jose Perez at the last minute. Jose Perez, of course, left the West Virginia program after the school year already started and is now with Arizona State. You can tell they made that move uh, in partly responding to the fact that they don't have Adam Miller eligible. Brandon Murray started his career at LSU in the 21-22 season. Then he transferred to Georgetown last year where he averaged about 14 points per game. Now he's at Ole Miss. And again, clear-cut situation where a coach – left the program. Patrick Ewing got fired at Georgetown. Murray decided to depart because of that. He goes to Ole Miss. He is still waiting on a waiver. His teammate, Musa Sise, very recently got his eligibility approved and was able to start playing for the Rebels. We will see if that same thing happens for Murray. Again, a double-digit score at both LSU and Georgetown would be a really nice get for Ole Miss, who could use some more reinforcements offensively at this point. And then last but certainly not least, You bet. It's LSU related. Jalen Cook began his career at LSU in 2020-21, spent the last two seasons at Tulane, one of the most prolific offensive players in the entire country with the green wave, 19 points per game across those two seasons. Then he transferred back to LSU. And Now he's awaiting a waiver right now. His waiver was initially denied on November 1st. The team has sent in additional information on appeal and they are still waiting. I don't know how I feel about players transferring back to a previous school, whether that should be Something that the NCAA is more lenient on, I don't think they should be less lenient on it. I don't. It, it's either the same or maybe more lenient from a, a academic perspective, from just a transfer credits perspective. It is much easier to not go to three different schools and and instead just be at two different schools. If this, if academics are the main concern in terms of players constantly transferring, it would make sense to not be as harsh on players going back to previous schools. As somebody who worked in higher education, academic support, specifically for Division One I student-athletes, I feel pretty strongly about that aspect of it, that if this is academic focused, academic driven, I don't think punishing players for going back to a school they were previously at really matters. But there is, of course, more to the story here, more to the specific story with Jalen Cook, more to the story with multiple other players as well. Just an interesting wrinkle in this conversation is technically Cook is a two-time transfer, but is it viewed differently by the NCAA if they are going back to a school they've previously been at based on the fact that he is still awaiting a waiver. It does not appear that that is the case, but again, we don't have all the information right now. The NCAA has a ton of these to sort through. It is clear that they are struggling to get through all of these, but honestly it's not an excuse. uh, It is unfortunate that our sport has so many players sitting out waiting for waivers this far into the season if Efton Reed was going to be eligible to play this year, it should have happened in early November or it shouldn't have happened at all. Having it. And I mean, for him, I'm sure he's, he'd rather have it happen now than not happen at all, but it is frustrating that this is something that is taking so long for so many student athletes to be sitting and waiting in so many programs to be in limbo, not knowing whether they're going to have their players available to them or not. This is a topic we'll continue to discuss here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. We'll be back with you all on Friday to preview an excellent slate of games coming up this weekend, some fantastic stuff. we got some mailbag questions to get to on Friday's show as well, right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, also available on YouTube. Definitely check out that, that Discord channel as well. You can ask your mailbag questions there and get them answered on the show. The link is in your show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Until Friday, as always. Peace out.